Quick impression for you. Call, call, bang, fuck, I'm dead! Late camera action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McQuick. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we're two dudes who drink and talk about movies. Now, this time, we are talking about movies that are basically the same. Um, this week, we're talking about some undead revenge killing in the form of The Wraith from 1986 and The Crow from 1994. And these movies are strikingly similar to the point where I feel like when the original Crow comic book was made, they had just finished seeing The Wraith. <laughs> or like, how, and they'd listened to like a The Cure album or something. They were like, how do I combine these two? <laughs> That's, I was watching this and I was like, had the crow come out first, I'd be sure that the person who made the wraith watched Christine and then the crow and was like, I could do something with this. Right. I can make this better. <laughs> uh, before we talk about those two movies, we got to talk about what we're drinking. So, Mike, what do you got? All right. So, having a bit of a kitchen clean out thing and um with my new japanese glasses that i got for christmas i thought a black and tan would look kind of cool in them and okay. i tried to do the whole layering thing and failed tremendously so it's just like a dark brown it's just the black <laughs> <laughs> but i'm doing um duclaw's pastryarchy 7.5 percent uh three scoops stout so it's an ice cream stout and have my last acting arrows glazed and confused, which is a cream ale with lactose and vanilla beans. So I was like, oh, these seem perfect for a black and tan. Okay. And how'd that work out? First sip, yeah. I approve. All right, all right. That, that, that might have been my most successful black and tan of the podcast. Okay, that works. Uh, all right, yeah, me, I'm in the same boat with the... Uh fridge clean out and the fact that you know i have two-week-old kid didn't have much chance to get out and uh beer shop so but two-week-olds don't love going to the liquor store he hasn't yet he hasn't <laughs> been there yet so i don't uh, it's unsure the jury is still out but um you <laughs> i've in, in my fridge i did have two coors banquet beers in the uh like the bottle like the old school like brown <laughs> bottle which is the same style bottle that Brandon Lee cracks open in Ernie Hudson's fridge and hands him. Although that is a Coors Light instead of a Coors. So I figured I would just finish these two off and we'd be good to go. But pretty sure in 1986, uh, Coors Banquet was everywhere anyway. So our characters in the race probably crushed a few in their time if need be. It's the um, beer of choice for one Billy Zapka. (laughs) Damn right it is. I mean, it's... The craziest thing is it's reliably good. Like it's it's never like Coors Light's always water to me. And then like Bud Heavies can be fine if you have like one at a ball game, but like Coors Banquet is always pretty solid. It's always pretty I, solid. I don't know, like basically the same Coors Banquet versus Miller High Life, because I like both of them better than Bud Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean and they're all like they're both like quintessential like eighties beers, like eighties and early nineties beers, like this is what your dad drank, you know, on Sundays or whatever, you know. And this it's a perfect beer to drink while you sit and you talk about a movie about a killer car driven by a ghost Charlie Sheen dressed as a futuristic space robot with Forrest Gump's leg braces on. 
<laughs> it's this movie, The Wraith, from 1986. Now, I said it last week at the end of the episode, and I was teasing this one. I was introduced to this movie by a guy in college, well, my four freshman year. He's like, dude, you gotta watch this movie. It's called The Wraith. It is exactly like The Crow, only it has a car in it. I'm like, what are you talking about? So we watch it, and sure enough, it is exactly like The Crow, only with a car instead of a murderous goth. <laughs> it is not as bad. It's it's a decent watch. It really is. It's a decent watch. It's not as bad as it should be. Does it? Did you watch it and get vaguely Mortal Kombat 1 vibes from it for some reason? A little bit, yeah. Just because of, like, you know, the graphics and special effects and whatnot. <laughs> very... Because we're watching a PlayStation 1 cutscene. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And the weirdest thing about it, the weirdest thing about it is, these movies are so similar. Obviously, the method of the our hero is the same. So it's, it's guy gets murdered while having while having sex with his girlfriend. Guy is murdered by gang in a red-themed room, like a red-colored room. And the crow, exact same story. That person then comes back. Now, granted, Eric Draven comes back as himself. He just puts on some, you know, goth makeup, and then he murders uh, uh, T-Bird's gang. But in the Wraith, Charlie Sheen actually comes back he is a different person than the one that was murdered because I guess you can't resurrect the body. You can just put a new face on him or something like that. Mm-hmm. So instead of being Jamie with original face, he is Jake with Charlie Sheen's face. And he's knocking off these guys who are part of a, a, a gang, but they're like street racers, basically. And they're street racing around. I think it's like Arizona, I think is where we are. So we're street racing around Arizona and in this Dodge like interceptor this m45 interceptor this ridiculous like super car that was only made there were only like four of them made and three of which were for the movie you know and he kills them using this car but what's even crazier is that mike did you happen to look into the actual production of this movie i did not (laughs) okay so for the crow everyone knows it's the only thing anyone ever knows about the crow is that brandon lee died while shooting it and he got shot doing it. There is also a member of the crew in the Wraith that died during filming. And really? it was a it was a cameraman. And he was a member. Uh, he was a guy named Bruce Ingram. And he was killed when an overloaded camera car crashed into a mountain road. So these two movies are dedicated to people that died making them. One of which just happened to be the star of it. And I was like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. Like, if, if there was anything to not copy from a movie, would be having someone die. But I guess if you're going to do it, you have to up the stakes if you're going to do it in the 90s. So you got to have your star die. I was like, that's that's too weird. <laughs> that's so, you know, the watching these two movies, the categories for the verses, I think. I think I'm gonna. I think this episode. I think we should go with me laying out the the verse categories and hear your response because of like the perspective eras that we're from. Like you're closer related to the era these movies came out. Yeah, right. So the people. first one I want to go with is the drip of the uh, the revived uh, <laughs> the drip of the revived uh, demon killer dude. Yeah, the the undead vigilante. Let's say the undead vigilante. Both of them, 
they they got style points. Who has more? I mean, if you want to talk about greater impact on culture as a whole, we have to go with Brandon Lee because he set the look for every like sexy goth guy, basically. You know, it's like this is how I will look for the rest of my when life. WWE wrestler theme themselves after your character. Right, exactly. Yeah, Sting. Yeah, I mean, and it's just such badass like look. I guess you should have said WWF wrestler, not WWE. Or was it? Well, now from what I understand, I think Sting is part of AEW, which I believe is different from WWE. It is different from WWE and all that. But um, yeah, he's he's still going apparently, you know. But again, like Eric Draven, he's he's still going. He's unkillable. But. It's it's just when you look at Eric Draven as the crow, and it's what makes the subsequent sequels of the crow even funnier, because City of Angels, you have that dude who has zero charisma, zero looks. The dude is just a guy that's on screen playing a character. And his paint, his face paint is essentially the same, but it's a little bit different and it looks stupid. Pro Salvation. They didn't even really go for full paint. They just went for like some black eyes and a little bit of face to like a little bit of white paint. Then in Wicked Prayer, which is Ed Furlong, which of the four, I I highly recommend the original first, obviously. Then you got to watch Wicked Prayer. And then you got to watch, you know, City of Angels or Salvation just to, to fill it out. But Wicked Prayer with Ed Furlong, it's even funnier because... I'm tr- I'm trying to remember because I have not seen it in a while. My plan was to rewatch them all before this, but my my recollection is correct. You might get in the way of movie watching. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, too much. I mean, I've watched some dumbass movies over the past week because I've had the time, you know. But I definitely should have watched the Crow sequels instead. But Ed Furlong's Crow makeup is barely even makeup. <laughs> it's like, what are we even doing? <laughs> So you just look you look like your sister's compact blew up in your face and you didn't even bother to wipe it off. <laughs> you know, you just look stupid. <laughs> but of course now when we think about Charlie Sheen's character, there are two there are two different looks to Charlie Sheen's character. There's the human Charlie Sheen as out and about guy on the guy and kid in the street, who just kind of looks like he kind of looks like if Marty McFly's like puffy vest was just a regular jacket like that's the kind of look he's got but then his kill his driver outfit is it's like space like space race car (laughs) but it's got these like silver braces it's weird (laughs) it's almost like they watched top gear and saw the stig and then they watched judge dread and saw judge dread and then they watched an astronaut, and they were like, let's put this together. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so weird, because with, with the crow, there's no, there's nothing that happens after, the, after a revenge murder is committed. So after he kills Tintin, nothing happens with him. Like he just kills Tintin in a in an appropriate way for Tintin's lifestyle. So he kills him by sticking all his knives and all of his major organs in alphabetical order, as uh, T Bird puts it. But in the Wraith, every time he gets one of them, 
blows them up in a car crash. Like we're talking like Oppenheimer level bomb going off and oh, yeah. there's nothing left, but somehow their corpses are left fully intact with the eyes burned out. And then he loses like a piece of the silver, like leg braces or arm braces. Part of his outfit like disappears. So he loses part of that each time he gets a kill done, but it's like, why? What's the point of that? <laughs> Which, you know what? Perfectly segues into my second segment. I think we both agree. The crow, the more iconic look. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. You could even kind of like break it down a little further and say which of the bad, like which of the gangs have better looks too. Because hey, in this... that, you're spoiling my upcoming. <laughs> okay, then go for it. Go for it. Go. I'll let you go. Go for it. <laughs> my next was method of killing. I mean, obviously it's the crow because <laughs> we get your quote unquote ironic saw level punishments. You know, <laughs> <laughs> to get like I said, Tintin gets all his knives stuck in his major organs in alphabetical order. Fun boy gets overdosed to death. The the funniest thing is Kieber gets burned because arson is his specialty. The funniest thing though is Stank. Stank just gets thrown out a window. <laughs> just thrown out of a window. And so, that's it. <laughs> you can it's funny, you can argue that both of them kill based off of what the other person like what the game does, but it just so happens that the entire gang just drives in the <laughs> yeah, it just so happens that they're all just street racers and the other <laughs> one. But it is it's it's it is funny because it's it's a creative death for the wraith. But the weird thing is, is that they add that next level of the bodies being completely untouched, but missing the eyeballs. And it's like, what symbolism is this? Like, were we going for something here? Like, what was, what was the point of this? Yeah, it's, it's like watching it almost reminds me of like Supernatural, where if you stab an angel with an angel blade, like their like light shoots out of their eyes. And that's like how the corpse is left, but I'm like, why is this happening here? Right. And yeah, it's not like it's it's not like with Eric Draven in the crow where he's killing them based off of their theme, essentially. Or he comes like he learns everything that happens to him by touching people that were related to the crime or related to it. He can see things through their eyes. Now all of that he uses, but there's no like the the per, the reason why Eric and Shelley were murdered in the crow is because they were fighting tenant eviction in their shitty ass neighborhood in their shitty ass building. So there's not like it's not like he evicts someone from a building. No, he yeah. doesn't try to work that in there somewhere, which is what the wraith tries to do. But the eyes thing is the part. It's like, well, if what if original Jamie, like the original Charlie Sheen, if his eyes were burned out or something like that during like part of his part of his death, then I could understand it. Like I'd be like, okay, so he's doing his signature death on these guys, you know, but he's not. Yeah. All right. So Wraith takes that one hand. I mean, I'm sorry, the crow takes that one hands down. Crow takes that one hands down. All right. So next is the gangs, the aesthetics of the gangs. And there's two follow-up questions to this one. One is, if they were in um, 
oh god, why is my mind blanking on the movie? Uh, the Warriors. Warriors. If they were okay. in the Warriors, okay. where would they rank among the gangs in the Warriors? And if the gang from the Wraith was replaced with Toretto's gang, would the, the Wraith succeed? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be another question that we'll answer. Uh, spoiler alert, we'll try to answer next week as well. But, okay, well, for this, for one, there is a direct one-to-one correlation with uh, T-Bird and his gang and the Warriors <laughs> because David Patrick Kelly himself is T-Bird and he's also the Warriors come out and play. <laughs> but it's, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think we're gonna go with the the Toretto crew. We're just talking Toretto crew from the first one, right? Yeah. Okay. So he's not fighting Ludacris or uh, Dal Gadot. No, no, it's <laughs> Dom, Vince, um, Letty, and oh god, the two. Why uh, can't I think of like the? Really well, then there's guy. Jordana Brewster's character and the yeah. and the ADD yeah. guy. Um, if he's going against them. Obviously, he's got a supercar, but their souped-up cars, like, kind of match that car. So, like, I think the races would be better. He wouldn't be able to get out in front of them like he does in the race to be able to block the uh, to be able to block the road. But I don't know. I think I think he still have trouble with Dom simply because Vince uh, Vin Diesel can't lose a fight. So it'd be kind of like unstoppable force meets immovable object yeah. situation. <laughs> My thoughts exactly. I'm like he he would work his way up. Like Vince is getting the best death for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And what, what cracks me up though is that's that's like the crew you kind of have to go to. You have to go race to Fast and Furious, and you have to go crow to Warriors because they're <laughs> basically. In the same world, essentially. The Crow is a it's a Detroit version of the New York in the 70s that is the Warriors. Whereas the Wraith in Arizona in the 80s is just a little bit to the east of the LA street like gang, like the street racing club culture of the Fast and the Furious in the year 2000. And these these two or the the comparative movies were predecessors to the ones that we're watching tonight. Like I fully believe that if Eric Draven were to go and like look it up on like microfiche or whatever, he could look up the gang wars of the seventies and the Warriors and see David Patrick Kelly's face. He could absolutely do it. Whereas in when Dom Toretto would be like, "Yo, did you hear? But did you hear about that guy in the Arizona with the supercar?" <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, Don Toretto shows up like at the end of Tokyo Drift and just challenges him to a race. Totally uninvolved. He just comes out of nowhere. He's like, <laughs> what cracks me up though is this whole movie, Randy Quaid in the race. Randy Quaid plays a cop. And that's another comparison that we can make. Who has the what better 80s actor plays a better cop in this? So no, I didn't either, think of that one. That's a good comparison. So it's either Randy Quaid in the race. Or Ernie Hudson in The Crow. 
Randy Quaid, I, as much as I love Ernie Hudson in The Crow, because he's got some of the, my, my favorite lines in the movie, and you can tell he's just like, he's invested in the crime too. Like he's really invested in what happened to Eric and Shelley. But with Randy Quaid, it's very, it's very much the feeling of, oh, this shit again. <laughs> You know, he's just kind of going through this small town, dealing with this gang that he's had to deal with for years. And he's just like, you know what? They're all getting knocked off. I don't really care. But since I'm a cop, I have to pretend to care and do my job. So he just kind of goes with it. And he's I would absolutely give it to Randy Quaid in that situation, simply because it's like his life as a cop in that town seems like it'd be a lot more fun than Ernie Hudson's nightmare of a world in Detroit. Well, yeah, you know? yeah, like for all intents and purposes, like Randy Quaid has the far easier job. He has to deal with street racers in suburban Arizona. <laughs> right. Yeah. And neither, but the funny thing is when the shit starts going down and these gang members start getting knocked off, they both had the same attitude about it. They're both like, well, <laughs> he's doing us a favor. <laughs> Which it's weird that no Batman cop tends to think that way. <laughs> exactly. See, that's where like the GCPD, like the Gotham police actually want to do their job, I guess. <laughs> so they get pissed off at Batman for doing it for them. <laughs> it's right, like every Marvel comment comic, every DC comic, it's like he's a menace. He's <laughs> like right. He's making your life so easy. Is that paycheck still coming in, officer? Then shut the fuck up. Right, and you can focus on the other crime going on, especially you, Ernie Hudson. (laughs) Like, he should should definitely not be mad, because he could focus on the other hundreds of crimes that are going on in Detroit at the time. I mean, on the night in question in The Crow, it's Devil's Night. It's Mischief Night. They are purposely lighting the city on fire. (laughs) So, yeah, focus on other people rather than the gang that's getting murdered (laughs) now i am torn on which gang i like better because aesthetically i kind of lean the race because like i like that kind of punk rock look but if i'm like which which gang looks like they're more of a threat i lean the crow absolutely oh no the the guys in the crow are straight up murderers they are rapists murderers they're the worst of the bunch you know those guys are about as bad as it gets, except for pretty much Skank. But then again, Skank seems like that dude where you look at him, you go, okay, you're the weakest of the gang, but you know that the first thing on Skank's mind is just straight up murder you. Like, he's not going to do anything. He's just going to kill you and like move on. Because we get a hint of that when he gets hit by the guy's car. And he's like laying on the ground. The guy gets out of the car. He's this giant dude. He gets out of the car. He's like, you hit my car. And he like grabs him. But Stank like immediately like punches him in the stomach. Like it like knocks him in the face. Like he immediately takes this guy down. It's like, oh shit. Stank might be a little more formidable than we uh, than we thought. But then of course there's Stank in the Wraith. Who is just a dude that like huffs brake cleaner. <laughs> it's him and Gutter Boy. Who again, gutter skank, two skanks, and a gutter boy and a fun boy in the same gang. But gutter boy is like the one that's like huff's brake cleaner, but like it's really affecting him. <laughs> Where yeah. skank does it like recreational, like recreationally. <laughs> but if if we're talking about like success of their gangs, like who is a more successful gang? It's absolutely T-Bird's crew under Top Dollar. Because Top Dollar and Michael Wincott, who I watched Nope the other day, 
Michael Wincott is a treasure. That dude, I can't believe he was not in more shit. Like, that dude's just amazing. <laughs> and it's mostly his voice, too. Like, the mostly the he's got that, like, gravelly kind of, like, voice. And it's like, oh, this is a villain, man. Like, this dude is just good. Whereas on the other side of the Wraith, we have Nick Cassavetes, who is the director of The Notebook. And he is wearing either the worst wig I've ever seen or young Nick Cassavetes in the 80s with hair was terrifying because that is a bald and man. You know, why I lean towards the race for aesthetics because the gang is like hilariously like they're supposed to look punk rock, I guess, at some point, right. but it's like it's almost so bad that I love it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I said, like if you look at Nick Cassavetes, like just Google Nick Cassavetes in Wraith, and you'll see the worst haircut you've ever seen in your life. It's it's a terrible toupee. Either the man was has been bald since birth, or and they were like, no, he can't be a skinhead. He's got to have hair. And they were like, all right, let's put the worst hair you've ever seen on him. It's like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. But he, the man just looks better bald, you know? <laughs> so it's very distracting when he's on screen. And of course, he gets a lot of screen time because he's a complete psychopath. Now, as the leader of the gang, him versus T-Bird, let's say, I don't know. It's kind of like, it's it's a toss-up in that situation because T-Bird is a very accomplished, successful criminal. He gets shit done. I lean T-Bird in the more successful leader. (laughs) Yeah, he gets shit done. Whereas Esvetis is basically like, he's the head of this gang, by virtue of the, the fact that he's like the scariest or the strongest, really, or the most like willful, I guess I'll say. But his whole deal is that he has claimed Cheryl Insan. He has just claimed her. Now he's like, You're mine. I'm going to ruin your life. And just by saying you're mine, if you go anywhere near any other guy, no matter who they are, be they a co worker or love interest, I'm going to ruin your life. And it's the ultimate toxic boyfriend, stalker, all of that shit. And so in that case, I kind of got to lean Cassavetes because T-Bird doesn't really have time to fuck around with relationships. Yeah. He's got shit to do. <laughs> He's got fires to like, set. It's the ultimate distinction of like the businessman, like enterprise criminal versus the I do what I want, fuck you criminal. <laughs> right. Which... T-Bird still kind of is, but he's he's a little more, if you could say it with these two, he's a little more realistic. Mm-hmm. Like to look at him, you go, okay, that's that's a guy I can see existing in the world. Whereas Cassavetes' character, it's like, look, you're an 80s movie villain. That's what you are. You know, you I don't I know there are dudes out there like him, but usually those dudes are actually in relationships with the women whose lives they're ruining. She is not with Sherilyn Fenn. They are not going out. He just kidnaps her randomly and she's too small to say no and like fight him on it. He's just a scary head of the gang. So it's like everyone kind of lets him do what he wants, but they're by no means in a relationship in this movie. And that's, that's I think, where the difference is. But so where I are we think, leading gang wise? Well, that's the thing. I you kind of got I think we got to break it down a little bit further. We got to go to like the second level guys. Whereas. The crow has gang, le- gang leader. Okay, leader, I gotta go T Bird. 
T-Bird, yeah, I agree. If, if we're going to go any higher, I would you definitely got to lean to Top Dollar as well. Top Dollar is even better. But yeah, straight up ganked, it's definitely T-Bird. But then, of course, and of the two skanks, I'd probably want the Wraith skank simply because he's he's more lucid most of the time. <laughs> Whereas the skank and the crow is just like, it's just a, like a fat <laughs> But when you break it down, there's no one else on, aside from Clint Howard's character, Butterhand, in the Wraith. There's no one else on the Wraith side that has a T-Bird or Fun Boy like personality to him, yeah. you know? There, there well, are what no about aesthetics? People. Where are you leaning aesthetically? Because I feel like that was a primary focus in both movies. I, see, for me, I don't know. I will always have, I don't know why, because it's never been my style, but I will always have a, a soft spot for like the leather and like dark and like gritty gang that is the Craigs, like that is T Bird's gang. But like the dudes in The Wraith kind of feel like, you know, sunny West Coast. We think we're gang. It's like when you watch like a, a movie from the 50s or something about high school kids. Like the Jets and Sharks and West Side Story. Like you look at them and you go, you're, you're, you say you're in a gang, but you're not threatening. No, you're not scary at all. So you they, just look like they idiots. They kind of remind me of some of the gangs in, uh, in the Warriors, where it's like, oh, they all dress up as baseball players, and that's it. That's it's glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. That's exactly what it is. It's like the it's like the more cartoonish gangs in the Warriors, where you go, I'm not scared of you. You look ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I'm not scared of you. Like you look so stupid. And then of course that's when the baseball oh, you're fairies dress up as Native back. Americans. Guess what? You'd be canceled today. <laughs> Right. That's just cultural appropriation, and I will not stand for it, sir. <laughs> the orphans. Oh, so you're just bigots. Fuck you. Right. Take care. Fuck you guys. Oh, the orphans? You guys have dirty green t-shirts and jeans? Ooh, terrifying. <laughs> oh, I met this kid's mom the other day. He's not a fucking orphan. <laughs> it's like, you actually have parents? Oh, God. You don't even live up to your name. Oh, you guys are pathetic. But, uh, all right, so... Probably a good time for a break. Mike, how's your beer? Really good. This black and tan is excellent. I highly recommend. So Duclaw, Axe and Arrow, we get the official Mike stamp of approval for a collaboration. (laughs) Nice, which, and as we have said numerous times, that if you're not taking Mike's advice for the collaborations, you're failing as a brewery. Listen, I've won at least three awards for my collaboration suggestions in the last since the uh, podcast started. Yeah, now, absolutely. I might have given myself all three, but... <laughs> they're still awards. <laughs> they're no less awards than I they might have just went to the trophy shop my uncle owns and asked to use some spare parts to make awards. <laughs> Put random shit together. But, we yeah, actually did yeah. that for a fantasy football trophy one year. Oh, nice, nice, nice. But uh, yeah, and my of course my course banquet is course banquet. It's delicious. But um, all right. So this one's an easy one. This is a toss up. It's it's a softball. Better soundtrack. Now it's obviously the crow because it it's a legendary the soundtrack. But I'm gonna add the little twist here. Better soundtrack for the era because 
This is a very, the Crows is very much a 1994, early 90s soundtrack. It's all of the, all of the heavy hitters from the time of your grunge and alternative and rock, like, like lesser known rock music. But the Wraith soundtrack has, like, a, it had basically, and it's a song that has secret in the title. It's Secret Loser by Ozzy Osbourne. It's like a secret Ozzy Osbourne song. It's pretty good in it. It's got a Stan Bush song. It's got Bonnie Tyler's on here. There's a song. There's a song by Lion on here, which, if anyone remembers Lion, congratulations, you are in the band Lion. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many. Like when you listen to the Wraith, you're like, holy shit! This this soundtrack, while I may not know every song or who it is, is perfect as a 1986 like semi action science fiction movie soundtrack. It's perfect. But when it comes to the crow, like the crow has Stone Temple Pilots, Nine Inch Nails, Cure, Antara, uh, My Life with the Throat Toe Cult, all of it, they're all in there. That's why I have to go crow, just because I have more of a connection with the 90s and the 80s. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the Raid soundtrack is a F level celebrity after Ozzy Osbourne and Bonnie Tyler obviously but like it's it's very much the F-level bands of the time and the guys that you would hear maybe once or twice on their radio but you the weren't, they weren't getting heavy rotation even, even that they were yeah they were like the half hit wonders you know they were the actors that you go oh I've seen that guy before right but you never remember their name it's, they're not like Bill Feck they're not like William Feck you're not like, oh shit, it's Bill Fickner. Uh, but no, it's oh, and speaking of oh shit, it's Bill Fickner again. Speaking of the movies I've been watching, do not bother watching the movie Hypnotic with Ben Affleck. It's awful. <laughs> Wolf but Bill Fickner, good in it, but is still terrible. <laughs> Yo, I just watched the men who stare at goats today. <laughs> I saw that years ago. It's not great, but it's not terrible. <laughs> so I actually, the first time I watched it, I was uh, it was like right when it came out. I might have been, I think it was two thousand eight. It came out something like that. So I was a preteen at best, and I did not understand most of that movie. Rewatching it now, there's scenes that are genuinely hilarious. Yeah, I haven't seen it in forever. I would have to go back to it, but um, then okay, so. I guess I'll throw one out here. Better resur- Okay, so you're resurrected as a superhero. Better method or better powers, I guess I'll say. Possibly ghost slash alien supercar or unkillable inv- or invincibility unless your crow is injured. <laughs> like your powers are given to you by a night bird. <laughs> So how can I pass up a free car? And that car especially, because I did some <laughs> research on that thing. Even though that thing's got a two liter, a two point two liter four cylinder engine, it's four hundred horsepower pumping out of that thing. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's that's pretty good. That's that means good gas mileage, <laughs> and you're getting speed on that thing. <laughs> now with the crow, like if you're not focused on murder revenge, you could. You can make quite a bit of money as like an athlete or like just like a stuntman type of thing. No, absolutely. But you you could way outdo Chris Angel and his mind freakiness. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah. And 
Chris Angel would be paying you royalties because his whole look is taken from you. <laughs> but that's and that's the other thing. We it's 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 implied for the most part until Eric Draven explicitly basically no, they both explicitly say it basically at the end. But you're essentially only allowed to have your powers until your job is until your mission is done. So when your revenge mission is over, you're done. Now, the difference being in the crow, you get taken to the afterlife by your dead fiance. But in the wraith, Charlie Sheen just gets to be back on Earth and he gets to live again as Charlie Sheen instead of the original guy with Sherilyn Fenn, which who, by the way, since I haven't had a creep moment in a while, a 1986 Sherilyn Fenn is almost at peak fuck you hotness. I don't. I would argue she doesn't hit that until Twin Peaks in I think 1990. When she's in Twin Peaks, that is like fuck peak fuck you hotness for Sherilyn Fenn. But he gets to stay. Now the funny thing is, is that everyone, every cop, Randy quite especially has been looking for this mystery car that is doing these murders. What does Charlie Sheen do at the end of the raid? He just hands the keys to the guys, the dead, his former brother, the dead guy's brother, hands him the keys and is basically like, here's your supercar now. You just handed A, a murder weapon to an innocent man. Who has total, like... He he is like suspect number one for revenge killer. Right. You have just put him at the top of the suspect list by giving him the murder weapon. Of course, because they haven't seen the driver, so they don't know who he is. And who's going to believe my dead brother came back to life as another person and gave me this car after he got done revenge murdering everyone? Now, so there, there's problems with the resurrection method for Charlie Sheen in that, like... What's his social security number? Does he have a birth certificate? Can he get documents that he needs to exist in the United States? Does he even have citizenship? What's going on with that? That's the thing, because and that, that is the trick, because he doesn't look like the original guy. He's a different person. Whereas Eric Draven comes back as Eric Draven. And that's the thing. So it's like, yeah, that that kind of sucks to have to exist in the world unless you come back with like infinite resources somehow <laughs> because now yeah, he has I to find I'm a way with, i think i'm going with eric draven's re- resurrection method absolutely well because... actually unless no no i think eric draven's because like yeah I, I think that would work better just because of like the whole i can't get any documentation as charlie sheen coming back <laughs> yeah but the only problem with being eric draven is once your task is completed you have to die now, but like that... he gets to go to heaven with his. With right, his he gets to go to the with his with his murder fiance. But there's also the question of would he be able to stick around being vengeful, like just getting revenge on anybody, just being a vigilante, had the crow not gotten shot? But the crow is shot, which weak is shot by Tony Todd, which weakens. Eric Draven and allows him to bleed and not be invincible. But as we clearly see at the end, the crew survived that gunshot and is doing just fine. <laughs> so why didn't Eric get his powers back? <laughs> why didn't he now, get the to... what if I just opt to never get revenge? Can I live endlessly as I feel like 
I feel like that's a question that when if I'm sure if they dealt with it, I have I have never read the original graphic novel for The Crow. Um, but I feel like that's a question that it's almost a it's almost a spawn situation because spawn when Al Simmons is given the the like living suit or whatever to become spawn part of his deal is is that he has to be this avenger he has to be this like superhero or else he has to go to hell and so it's kind of it's a curse he's allowed to be alive but he has to do it as the spawn superhero and he had or else he has to go but or else he goes back to hell and no hours to it like can i <laughs> like, yeah, is there I, a time frame? I just kill like one of them a year. Like, is there is there a quota I have to meet? <laughs> and that's the thing. Both of these take place, I believe, a year after their um their respective murders. So it's also it's also implied in the crow that Eric Draven essentially has to do. He's going to do this all on the same on the anniversary of his death. Basically, it's it's like the um, it's the classic horror movie like scream, classic horror movie uh, trope of one year later, <laughs> it all started on a it was a night just like this a year ago that kind of thing. But with the wraith, he's kind of just messing around. Like Charlie Sheen's just being Charlie Sheen. He's going to the he's going to the rocks. He's going to the lake. He's just chilling, getting a tan at one point. <laughs> He's swimming around on floaties with Sherilyn Fan. He's having sex in like alcoves with her, like little grottos with her. He's not really like focused on revenge here. He's focused on getting laid because it's the 80s, man. And that's what you do. So I guess I'm going to lean. If there wasn't a documentation issue, like if I could, if I had a guy. Who could just make me a fake ID, like just give me a new persona? I'd probably lean the race. It's cracking me up. Like the bureaucracy. <laughs> like everyday life is all hanging you up. <laughs> but how's he going to apply for a job with no identification? How's he going to get an apartment without a driver's license? How's he going to open a bank account without a birth certificate? <laughs> And also, like, do I have to use the cars to do the murders, or can I just go kill those motherfuckers? Like, my car doesn't become a murder weapon. Well, that's the question. That that is a good question because we do see the the race character or Charlie Sheen as space racer. We do see him. He has like a laser alien gun. He's got a space gun, and he is firing it at this gang in that um in the garage that they have. So he, for all intents and purposes, could kill these dudes any way he possibly wants. He just chooses to do so in car wrecks, <laughs> which is not the way that he went out. <laughs> so, yeah, I. so I'm not using the car to kill the guys. I'm using the space gun. I am then selling the space gun in exchange for the documents I need to exist as a regular person in this world. It all comes back to having the paperwork. <laughs> you need to have the paperwork. You just can't live off the grid. What's the matter with you? We take an odd cash job. Country, which I mean, like I guess I could do. I mean, it's 1986. 
Border Patrol is there, but it's not as strong as it is now. It's so, a pretty 9 yeah. 11 world, too. So, like, airport security is not top notch. Oh, yeah. You can get through. It's like, it's like, uh, what's that joke from the bench warmers that became that meme? It's like just a piece of paper with I am 12 on it, you know? Yeah, I am I, 19. <laughs> you can just become a professional racer with that car, really. Yeah, and that is the other thing, because, I mean, they, would, they apparently use the actual car as a pace car for, I don't know, NASCAR or something like that. So there is a real-world application for having this supercar. Like, you don't need to you don't need to go to these, like, remote Arizona towns and just, you know, kill off random gang members that have souped up Pontiacs and Corvettes and all that. But it's, I, I would have to lean... I would have to go towards Eric Draven in this situation because A, you get to look cool as shit. Like you get to look cool as shit. You get Are to Are you do... telling me you don't want to look like Racer X from Speed Racer with Forrest Gump's leg straps? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's an odd look that I don't think I can pull off. I might be, I can grow my hair longer and I can wear some uh, corpse paint basically. And I yes, I can look like the crow if I really wanted to, but it's i mean it's just the general existence of eric draven because he he can just hang out play his guitar on a rooftop he can kill some people if he wants to he can intimidate a whole room of gangsters if he wants to he can do all kinds of shit he can go to a pawn shop and just rob the place if he really feels like it nothing matters for him it doesn't matter you can do what he wants <laughs> the other factor i didn't consider is you get a pet crow and that would be kind of cool <laughs> and you get a pet crow whose eyes you can see through so that crow can go anywhere. You can see shit and you can hear shit too. But yeah, I think, I think benefits of being the crow would outweigh having an amazing car in 1986. I don't know. 1986 Sherilyn Fenn is a, that's a heavy card to throw down. <laughs> that is a heavy, powerful card to throw down because I'm not saying Shelly in the crow isn't a beautiful woman because she's a very pretty young woman. But it's 1986, Sherilyn Fenn, man. Come on. What, what are we doing? I don't even know who plays Shelly in The Crow. And I have access to that information. I don't even want to look it up. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so me and Ross are going about this totally different. Where I'm like, I'm like, how can I make my life work out? <laughs> Mike wants to exist after this. I'm just looking to look cool and have revenge. <laughs> Which is kind of like the two. <laughs> like Mike is definitely a wraith guy. I'm a crow. <laughs> I'm looking at like what what steps do I have to take to continue this existence? <laughs> like, what's my what long term least burden on me to exist? <laughs> what's my long term plan after my career as a vigilante? <laughs> what's my post vigilante career like? Do I go into journalism? Do I become a broadcaster? What do I do? <laughs> or do can I, I make become it a on the? Uh, can I make it on the M1 circuit? Like, <laughs> do I become an actual driver? You know, <laughs> or do you end up being like a? Um, or do you end up being like a YouTuber, like like Donut Media? Do you, are you doing that? Because that's what those those guys do. They have the canyons in LA and all that. Like, you could be part of that crew. I think. Probably use like a resurrected undead. My brother man. practically is. <laughs> it is true. Yeah, yeah. You could, you could, you could live with your, you could live your brother's life if you needed to. You know, it's, <laughs> but and but no one would know. No one would be able to know because you wouldn't have the documentation. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be Mike McGuigan anymore. I'd be young Charlie Sheen and need a new ID. (laughs) What I would need to do is hope actual Charlie Sheen exists so that I could kill him and take his place. (laughs) Just assume his identity. Yeah. (laughs) See, that's the one thing that no one like thinks of, you know? It's like Whenever there's time travel, like someone goes back in time and they meet their past self or whatever, you can always kill yourself and like assume your identity if you need to. But then again, of course, you mess with the space time continuum. Maybe you don't exist to go back and forth back in the first place. But that's why it's always go to better to kill your future self. You know, you kill your future self and you're good to go because then you can, you know, change your life as needed. But it's with, I think, let's say, I mean, obviously, the the easy comparison here would also the question would be, where would you rather do your revenge killing? Would you rather do it in sunny Arizona, or would you rather do it in perpetual night Detroit? You know, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a, I have a flair for the dramatic, so I, I'm going with the Demon City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's oh wow. I mean, it's. The the fact that Detroit has all but become what it is portrayed as in movies is kind of the, the hey, real accomplishment. They won a playoff game. Things are getting better there. Yeah, if you happen to be in the Lions Stadium. <laughs> yeah, if you're a football fan and not a basketball fan. Yeah, I wouldn't be a Pistons fan or another. The Tigers aren't helping you either. I don't know about the Red Wings, but the Tigers aren't helping you. I know that. But, yeah, it's... it's there's also, I don't know. There's, I th- we we probably we probably exhausted everything with these two, but there, I don't know. There's something to be said about while the crow is definitely the wraith, the fact that the crow is the one that everyone knows. It's hilarious because you're like, oh, there's also this movie. There, it's like the Hunger Games battle royale situation, where it's like everyone knows the Hunger Games, but there's always that it that asshole that's like, yeah, but battle royale did it first. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, there's the crow. Well, yeah, but the wraith did it first, you know. <laughs> but it's kind of like uh, blinded by the light. Like, yeah, Bruce Springsteen wrote wrote the song, but everyone knows Manfred Mann's version. <laughs> Right, or everyone knows it was that guy in Yesterday that did it, or whatever the fuck it was. Whatever that. Well, well, no, that was the Beatles. What was what was that? Uh, Blind by Light, I think was. Yeah. Was that the uh, that stupid movie you made me watch? You dick. was it Born to Run or Blind to? <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. It was stupid. and I hated it. But uh, I won that month. Let that be known. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Simply because I wasted society on our YouTube channel. Society would have ended you. I don't know, Paul Blart. I think, like, I I shouldn't have led with Paul Blart. If I if that was my if that was my kill shot, I think that like there was no coming back from that. I don't think there was a single week you could have made that would have been worse for me than watching Paul Blart one and two was for you. Oh yeah, no, Paul Blart. Jesus fucking Christ, <laughs> Evan James. God damn you. But uh, anyway, so yeah. I mean, I know where I stand. I'm, I'm, I am all crow all the time. Yeah, the crow. Yeah, crow wins. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's just a better movie. You know, there's, it's so much more memorable. It's so much more. There's a better style to it. You know, it's, it doesn't feature Forrest Gump as an alien racer. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's there's, 
whoever wrote it, he, he wasn't that into uh he wasn't that into uh speed racer. Right, right. Yeah, he hadn't seen too much Japanese anime, you know. It's yeah, it's 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 a good one. The oh, you put it that way, maybe I do lean the, the race. Like say Mike's a Wraith guy or I'm a Crow guy, you know? I, I I'm the hard hitting gritty nineties of it all, and Mike is the happy go lucky anime wraith of it all, you know. <laughs> I see nothing but darkness and Mike sees the positive side. <laughs> yeah, the all Crow right. is the better movie though. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the funny thing would be is if the Wraith also had three terrible sequels <laughs> that we could somehow compare as well. Simply because, my God, there's sequels. City of Angels is the only watchable one, and but Wicked Prayer, I got it. I ha- I cannot endorse Wicked Prayer enough. Simply for the fact that we got Ed Furlong as the Crow, we have Tara Reed, I believe, as a Satanist. <laughs> then we have David Boreanaz as the head of that Satanist cult, I believe, and I think Danny Trejo makes an appearance too. I can't remember, but I think he does. Um, but yeah, it's oh, and of course. The uh, the heroes' names in the Crow are great because there's obviously Eric Draven, then there is uh, Alex Corvus is in the second one, and then there's Ash Corven in the third one, and then in Wicked Prayer, I want to make sure I get this right because Ed Furlong's character's name is fucking hilarious because it translates literally to Jimmy Crow, Jimmy Cuervo. it's it's just i'm sorry whoever it was raven i'm sorry if somebody wants to get out there but still even that even that shows a level of incompetence that they couldn't even get the word for crow right (laughs) they got a completely different black brain (laughs) so that's been the race versus the crow now mike where can people find us on the internet you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcasts from, thanks to Spotify Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Happy Hour Films Podcast. All right. So we teased it before. We talked about them a little bit. We have talked about this numerous times on this podcast. Honestly, the fact that this was not the inspiration for this theme Mind-boggling. mind bog. In fact, we had already set this up as a single month before this idea came up, and we extended it to make it long form. <laughs> oh, oh, of course. We're talking about the the ultimate. We have we have two legendary movies here. That we we'll, this might be another. But we might go back to our old days of four hour episodes with this one. Because we got the Fast and the Furious versus Point Break. And I'm not talking about the remake. We're talking about OG Fast and Furious versus OG Point Break. Oh, I can't wait. Because I just got both of them on 4K. Oh, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. And I really... I haven't looked forward... I don't think I've looked forward to an episode more than I will next week. Just because those two movies... Oh, they're just amazing. They're just amazing. And of course, as my as we all know, we Mike and I both live our lives a quarter mile of it at a time, and we we can't handle a cage. We everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. So Correct. until next <laughs> until next week when we dive into our Keanu, our previous Keanu love, and some Dom Toretto and family love. I've been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McQuigan. I'll see you guys next time. So long.